0: following talk is from new community for more information about new community check out newcommunitychurch.org.uk thanks for listening well, as much as 2016 has been like an up-and-down year uh, in the world and in, in the nation, uh, 2016 for us as a church has been really quite a remarkable year. We turned 40 earlier this year and, and parted and then we launched multi-venue, we became a multi-venue church uh, just a, a week later, and it's been quite a... A remarkable year for us as a church. We've seen growth. We've seen people saved and added. We've seen people baptized. We've had this baptistry open every, uh, every single month for a number of years now. And uh, we're really grateful to God for all that he's done. We really are kind of privilege to be caught up in this great big adventure of following Jesus, this great big story of God, of his mission to redeem and rescue a broken and busted world. It's a real privilege to be part of this never-ending story, which will be celebrated for all eternity. And so I just want to end this kind of academic year by saying to you, if you've served in any way, shape, or form in our church, if you're wearing a blue t-shirt now, or it's not your week on, and you normally wear a blue t-shirt on our host teams, I want to say thank you you for everything that you have done over this last year. You guys are absolutely amazing. I want to say thank you if you're on one of the stage teams and if you appear in all of this or you're one of the guys, especially the guys who sit at the back and take all the flack and the criticism when it's too loud or too this or too that. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much. And I want to say thank you to you if you serve on our kids team as well. We have a phenomenal bunch of people who serve every single week. We've got like 150 kids in our church and, and people serve every single week. It's absolutely amazing. And so so to you guys as well, thank you so much for everything that you have done. You are amazing. I'm really grateful to God for you as a church and really grateful for all the time that you put in and all the, the effort that you put in, all the money you've given. If you serve in any other way behind the scenes, whether formally or informally, thank you. If you serve the extension of the kingdom of God by uh, encouraging somebody or praying for somebody or giving somebody a lift somewhere or, or just remembering to text somebody or ring somebody or whatever it is, thank you. You're playing your part in the greatest story that has ever been told. And the wonderful thing is, is that every little thing that you do right now will be celebrated for all eternity, all right? All those things you think, no one's ever gonna see me do that. No one's ever gonna give me credit for that. All of those things, the Lord sees, and you're part of something that is going to echo for all eternity. And so I just wanted to really, at this moment, as we draw to a close this year, from genuinely and, and really humbling, gratefully, just say thank you for everything that you have done in 2015-16, this academic year. You guys are amazing. Love you greatly. And uh, I, it's, it's a wonderful privilege to be leading a church that has got a great history. Over 40 years of God's faithfulness, of pioneering adventure, of all the exciting stuff that God has done in our past, but 2016, it's even better to be leading a church which has got an even better future. Uh, we're really grateful for everything that God has done here, but we're really eagerly excited and anticipating what he's going to do next. And 2016 uh, is really the beginning of a new chapter in our story, and we have a, a great amount of anticipation for what's to come. And I just had a sense today, as, uh, as I was praying this morning, that what we're witnessing today across our venues, uh, across the different meetings, is like a prophetic taste, if you like, of what is to come. Today, privilege of baptizing seven different people across the venues from five different nations, which is really quite cool. I just felt it was this, in this small way, just a a sense of a prophetic statement of what is to come and what is going to be greatly accelerated in the rest of 2016 and into 17. This is what we're all about, celebrating new life in Christ. This is what we're all about, the in-gathering the in of, of the elect from every tribe and every tongue. That's our future. That's where we're heading. And so we as a church are passionate about impacting the nations of the world. And if you're a guest here from another church, then all that I'm about to say, you kind of just need to uh, put into your, into your own church context. And I just make no apologies for it. I want to address us as a church today, because this is a statement of what we're about and what is to come. And you think, well, Cup, Southeast London, nations of the world, well, that's a little bit kind of presumptuous. Well, yeah, maybe. But in God, this, we, we feel this real sense of call. And this, the year to come, all load of stuff, we're gonna be sending some people to different nations of the world to go and play their part in planting churches. Got loads and loads of things to look forward to. We've got much to thank God for and much to look forward to. And I prepared this week uh, a, a preach my words, as I was preparing on Thursday, I really felt God, um, I, I f- felt drawn to leap this word, and it was, it was I'll be honest, it was excellent. Like It was really, really good, okay? And then it got to Friday morning, and I just felt God say, no, that's not what you should be preaching on this week. Uh, maybe leave that till September, maybe leave it to another time, but I just felt drawn today to Philippians chapter 3 to really preach on this, and we're particularly looking, going to look from verse 15 onwards, but... Verse 15 doesn't make any sense unless you read the whole thing. So we're going to just look through uh, Philippians chapter 3 and just got a few things. I just feel God's really uh, leading us towards as a church um, right now. I'm not going to speak for too long. I know it's boiling in here and I know you're thinking, oh, but we'll just, I just want to, like, seriously, some of you, like your faces look like you forgot your souls got saved. Um, That was a joke, man. This is going to be hard work. Do you want me just to read the Bible like for the next like 40 minutes or something? You can smile. If you're not, if you are a guest here today, normally people smile in this church, I promise. Like they're normally really friendly. It's just because it's hot and it's the end of the year and, and all that kinda. Of, I'm just gonna shut up. It's not really bad. <laughs> hey, this verse applies. Verse one, finally, my brothers and sisters in the heat and sit cup on a Sunday morning, rejoice in the Lord. <laughs> Let's just ditch the sermon. Let's talk about this. Rejoicing though. No. To you, to write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evil doers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Whoa. For we are the circumcision who worship by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. And he goes on and he Paul writes all the different reasons why he has, uh, should have real confidence in the flesh. Verse 7, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Just A way stronger word in the actual original. I'd get in trouble if I said it on a Sunday morning. Count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Well, Jesus, will you just take these next few moments and just penetrate our hearts? Well, may we just encounter you afresh in these few moments. May we just realign our priorities. May we just realign our lives around the centrality of your gospel and the wonderful truth of who you are and what you have done. In Jesus' name, amen. So we live in a culture that, by and large, is obsessed with the next thing. I mean, like, obsessed with what's coming next. And we don't want yesterday's technology. We really don't want even yesterday's news. It's why we spend most of our lives, like, glued to our phones. We, we don't want to miss anything. And to be fair, in 2016, if you're not glued to your phone, you really might miss something. But every part of our lives is just dictated around this. We don't want to miss stuff, all right? So even, like, the whole notion of just traveling somewhere, all right, just walking somewhere or driving somewhere. We've, we've now got games and apps and stuff on our phone that can superimpose some kind of virtual reality onto our actual reality so that we don't even miss out on, on like something crazy like Pokemon. Did you know that this, this uh, building right here is a Pokemon stop? Did you know that? A whole bunch of people are like, get the phone out, quick, find it. The rest of you are going, what on earth are you talking about? And if you don't have a clue about Pokemon, you're not missing out. Don't bother. Honestly, don't, don't bother. It's a waste of time. But we've got to this point in our life where we're just obsessed with the next thing. We constantly want to fill our lives with everything. We're always logged on. We're always looking for that next thing. And, and to be honest with you, I, I, I have a fear in that it's very detrimental to our lives. I know it is in my life. Just like a month ago, I suddenly had this moment, in, as, I, as I do often, of just assessing where I'm at and, and looking at my life, my, my, my family life, my relationship with my wife, my relationship with God, how, how I'm juggling everything together and thinking, am I getting my priorities right? And it was a recognition that, frankly, I probably wasn't. I was just always on, always moving to the next thing, always just heading phone, iPad, laptop, all, sometimes all three at once and the TV because I didn't want to miss that series and I'm trying to cram everything into my moment and I'm and answering emails at the same time as I'm watching New Blood or whatever it's called and, I'm, I'm, and all the rest of it. And I'm thinking, well, hang on, something's got really out of kilter here. And I'm just trying to reassess my life and just, I'm che- I've actually just changed my devotional nature, life in somewhat instead of trying to cram it all in, I'm like taking bit of time in the morning, bit of time during the day, bit of time during the evening. I'm forcing myself to sit with nothing on, no music, no technology, nothing, just sit in the presence of God. Like, I managed two minutes the other day. It was like the longest moment of my life. I can normally do about 15 seconds, and then like, next thing. And I'm just learning just to stop and pause. Because we're constantly rushing to this next thing. And it has a detrimental effect on our lives. But it also has a detrimental effect on our life in church as well. Because by and large, we spend our church life not, not really interested in the old stuff. Just constantly looking for the new. What's next? What's happening next? What's this? What's going on here? We, we end up getting ourselves tied up in things. We kind of think, well, we just had a series, 11 weeks. We just finished 11 weeks in Ephesians Foundation stuff. Yeah, we know all that. Teach us something new and exciting. We know, And we kind of just want to move on so quick that we want the new things. Constantly looking for it, and in one sense, that's not really a bad thing. It's it's a good thing. God is doing a new thing, and we want to pursue those new things. We want to pursue what God is doing now and what He's about to do. We don't want to live our lives constantly wishing it was way back when. I wish it was 1990. I wish it was 2006. I wish it was two. No, no, no. We want to praise God that we're in 2016, and we want to seek what He's doing now, and we eagerly anticipate what He's doing in 2017 and 18 and and 19. We go into it full of hope. And and expectation. And in a sense, that's because we're a people of the future. But that doesn't mean that we move on from the foundations of our faith. And these verses here in in Philippians 3, it's like a check for us. Paul just takes a pause. He, He means it as a way of, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Verse 15, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we've attained. It's like Paul just stops. And he basically is like him saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Before you go rushing off into anything else. This is what I just felt God lead me into this week. Before you go rushing off and talk about September and what we're going to do. And the new places we're going to go. And the new things that's going to happen. Remember what we've already attained. Let's just remember that the main thing is the main thing. Let's just hold on for a moment. Let's just have a pause and be reminded of what we have been given. And here we see yet another reminder of the importance of being centered upon, of being focused in on, of being grounded in, of having the the absolute foundation in our lives of the gospel. I just felt God want to pause as a reminder for us individually but also corporately for us as a church that front and center of everything we do as a church, corporately, front and center of everything that we do in our personal lives is to be the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're so quick to look at the new things that we need to continually be reminding ourselves back to the primacy of the gospel. We need to recognize and and understand and see that the Bible is absolutely dripping with the reminders to keep the gospel right at the center of absolutely everything we do. So you want to grow in faith. If you want to grow in God, you need to grow in the gospel. Why, why do I say that? Well, listen, we need to fix our eyes upon Jesus because think about what happens in the gospel. You get Jesus. And Hebrews 12 says, fix your eyes upon Jesus. We need the gospel. It's in beholding Jesus. It says in 2 Corinthians 3 that we're transformed and changed into his image. So we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We need to recognize that the gospel is the, is the place where we find the power for the Christian life. At the same time, it's not outside of the gospel. We need to come back to this. I need the power to equip me to do this Christian life. I come back to this gospel. The same power that conquered the grave lives in me. The primacy, the centrality, the foundation of the gospel. All of our mission endeavors as a church, we need to be reminded as Colossians 1 reminds us that it's the gospel that is going forth into the world and bearing much fruit. 1 Corinthians 15 also reminds us that we need to stand firm in the gospel. It's not just what we receive but the power in which we currently stand and in which we are being saved. Even our motivation for obeying God and and following his command, it all comes from the gospel. Because he has saved us, we live like this. Not in order that he saves us, we live like this. We don't move on from this gospel. And just as Paul says here, only let us hold true to what we've attained. Or as he says in 1 Corinthians 15, hold fast. You want to grow as a Christian? You want to be more mature in God this time next year than you are this year? You need to get back to the gospel. You need to grow in the gospel. We don't move on from it. Oh, that's for, that's for people who don't know the Christian message. That's for non-believers. No, no, no. That's for us. It's the thing that we grow in that shapes our lives and we never move on from it. We just merely grow deeper in it. You want to live a life full of passion and excitement? Honestly, give yourself a real score in your head out of 10. How passionate and exciting is your life right now? And if it ain't 10... We need to grow in the gospel. We need to get back to this wonderful, joyous truth of who we are in Christ because of what he has done for us, how he has separated our sin and removed it as far as the east is from the west, how he has redeemed us and restored us, how he has saved our soul, how now I am made righteous in the sight of a holy and awesome God. If that doesn't excite you every single day, you need to get back to meditating upon the truth of the gospel. And Paul in this passage in the third chapter of Philippians, and I'll just spend the next few minutes looking at this, gives us three ways to center in on the gospel. These are not the only ways for sure, but these are three ways that Paul just gives us. I just felt this is for us as a church right now. First is this, a priority of discipleship. Okay, a priority of discipleship. So, so throughout the letter of Philippians, if you've read it before, Paul's offering all these examples to follow. But here, in these verses, he begins to focus on modeling and training. A mark of mature Christianity is discipleship. Making disciples and being discipled. That's a mark of mature Christianity. Are you making disciples? Are you being discipled yourself? And this is where Paul goes in verse 17. Brothers, sisters. Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. It's exactly like what he says in in, uh, 1 Corinthians 11 where he says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So basically he says, Follow me as I follow Christ. This is at the heart of what it is to be discipleship. Join me. You've actually got to do something yourself. You, it's actually an activity that you actually have to join in. You can't be discipled from a distance. You can't just kind of by osmosis be discipled. You can't just turn up on a Sunday and it's like, yep, I'm being discipled because I sit there and listen to this for 30 minutes and I sing some songs and, and then I go home. It's just not going to happen by accident. You actually have to join in. You actually have to be intentional about it. There's an initiative that you have to take. You want to grow in God, you want to grow as a disciple, you've got to do something to put yourself in a situation where you are going to be discipled and you're going to disciple others. Just turning up on a Sunday and staring at the person person in front of you, the back of their head, is not going to do it, no matter how beautiful the back of their head is right now. All right, you've got to actually join in. Imitate me. Speaks to the levels of what is going on here. Imitate me. You're going to imitate somebody, you've got to actually get close enough to them to see what they're like. I mean, you can imitate if you want, like, their moves on a Sunday. Like, you can kind of stand behind them and go, okay, so it's, that's John. He does that. All right, you can, that's Dio. This is me. <laughs> Walking around all over the place, I can't stand still. I uh, That's why I'm at the front, no other reason, I just can't. I need to move. If I was at school today, I'd get so much trouble. I'd just fidget all the time. In fact, on our first, first date, Hannah bought me, well, actually, no, it was the second date, because our first date, I fidgeted too much. She bought me some, like, micro machines to play with while we were chatting, while we were talking. She brought me some toys to play with. She's like, you fidget so much, you need to have some toys. That's the kind of what I'm like. But what I'm saying, I don't know why I'm telling you that, but Im- imitating is more than just, oh, okay, that's what you're like. No, 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 you need to get up close with somebody. Just see what their life is like, see how they are in normal life, see what they do in in everyday life, see how they respond to the trials and the pressures and and all the rest of it. You can't just do that by rocking up on a Sunday, because let's be really honest, all of us put on our Sunday best on a Sunday, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm great, yay. And if that's what you think Christianity is, everyone's saying, yeah, I'm great the whole time, you've missed it by a mile because it's not you're in here thinking hey, these people are all really happy well you know that's not true because you saw their faces a few minutes ago <laughs> all right there's something more it, it, it speaks beyond just attending meetings keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us every aspect of your life in titus um, 2 paul goes further he just begins to explain some of that older christians older women teach younger women like this older blokes teach younger blokes like that i just want to say something that I've just been living with massively over the last few weeks, the influence of older, and by older I don't mean age, I mean mature Christians on younger, more immature Christians is massive. Absolutely massive. I was in a thing the other day and Nicky Gumbel was being interviewed and um, I was just struck as he told his story, just the amount of times he mentioned people's names, people I've never heard of who had influenced his life in a huge way. Everyone knows who Nicky Gumbel is, like Alpha Course guy, like, wow, behind the Nicky Gumble story is a whole bunch of people you've never heard of who have brought him to the place where he is today. Most of you, if you've been part of this church, because you come every week, you know who I am. All right, behind my story is a whole bunch of people you would have never have heard of. Some of you are in this room have influenced me and Hannah in, in bigger ways than you could ever imagine. I just want to say this to you. If you if you're a more mature Christian you're thinking well, oh, I'm not going to get on the stage. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to lead that you can influence and shape and bring just definition to people in a way that you never are going to fully understand until you get to glory. Keep doing it. That young person who just says the stupid things. That used to be someone like me. I mean, admittedly, I still do it from time to time. I'm so grateful for people saying Hey, listen, you whinge a bit too much. Rejoice in the Lord. So grateful when I'm, listen, you're not honoring your wife enough. Love her more. So grateful for those who go, listen, listen, you're trying to sort that out yourself. Let's just pray together. You don't know how to pray? Pray with me. So grateful for those influences in my life. And so that, what does that mean? It means every single one of you has a part to play. Well, I'm not me. I'm not perfect. No, no, no. It doesn't say follow people who are perfect. It says, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm going to do my level best to pursue him. We need to get serious about this and get in community with one another. right, come September, there's going to be a huge push on on communities. I'm just finalizing, along with John, the the drafts of all the different communities. We've got 41 different options for you from September. 41. I can't find anything that suits me. (laughs) Well, here's an idea. Lead something. 41 different options. We want to be really intentional about it. That's, I decided I, I wasn't going to talk about the future, but that's where we're heading, guys. September, we're going to have this big push. We want everyone involved. Not going to do a Vision Sunday in September. <gasps> it's been 40 years of Vision Sundays. How can we possibly cope without one? Well, we know what we're doing. We know where we're heading. We know what God's called us to. We don't need me to just stand here and say the same thing I said last year. I will speak about some stuff. Three weeks, we're going to talk about step into the story. The answer is get in community. Gotta get intentional about discipleship. Second real quick thing. We need to understand the importance of our identity and it's got nothing to do with anything in this world. We're citizens of a eternal heavenly kingdom not of this world. And if we're not careful, we end up defining ourselves by the houses we live in or all the other temporary things of this world, relationships, kids, money, appearance, the ability to dress in a certain way, whatever it is, it's so ingrained in our culture that we don't even realize we're doing it. I mean, deeply ingrained in our culture. Be honest with yourself for a moment. How content are you with life right now? One to 10. How content with you are you in life right now? Because if the answer is not 10, more than likely, not exclusively, but more than likely is because we're putting too much weight on things of this world, which will fade and rust and destroy and decay. When we place our, our, un, our weight, our understanding, our emphasis on eternal things, which will not perish, which will not fade, which will echo for all eternity, that's our identity. That's where we're at. It's a sobering challenge. Where are you at? Why, well, if I just had a bigger house? No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't be any happier than you are right now. You just have more space in which to be miserable in. <laughs> just add more money. Hey, listen, I can't decide what to do with now. What am I going to do with hundreds of thousands of pounds? I'm just going to find more ways to try and fill that. No, no, no. Unless I'm building my life upon this reality of who he is, this gospel truth, then I'm going to end up feeling miserable and lack of contentment. Our citizenship is not of this earth, praise God. And frankly, that's the only way we can navigate the waters of this world. How on earth can you navigate the pain and the trial and the hardship of this world by understanding that you live in this world, but you're not of this world? of understanding that we are, but merely passing through. And so really, if you're in Christ, and Paul here, just we haven't got time to look at it, but verses 18 to 20, he just, he just contrasts the, those who are idol worshippers, frankly, those who just gratify the desires of their heart, their belly, those who just, well, do what I want, do what I want, because it makes me feel good now, and hopefully it will make me feel good for all time. And he said, no, it's not going to. And you know it's not. We all know it's not. If you're not a Christian here today, you know the things that you are hoping in are ultimately not going to bring the satisfaction that you want them to. Because they'll all fade. There's one thing that doesn't. The truth of the gospel of who Jesus Christ is. And so we need to live, third thing, real quick. We've got like two minutes. We need to live with our eyes focused, not on the things of this world, but elsewhere. With a heavenly focus. Focus. With an eternal perspective. Paul calls the return of the Lord in, in Titus 2, verse 13, I think he says, is blessed hope. He calls the return of the Lord blessed hope. Why? Because he knows the reality of the difficulty and the hardship of this world. It presses in on you. Those letters through the door are never anything other than more of a demand of you in some way, shape, or form. The the, the the trial and the struggle of this life and the difficulty of this life, it doesn't get easier. It just changes shape. You think that this? we, we do this. We love the pressure right now. We've got three kids, five, just four, and nearly two. No, the pressure right now is intense. It will get so much easier when they're teenagers. And those of you are teenagers going, you fool. <laughs> yeah, you're not physically as tired, but now you just stay up all night worrying. Those of you think, well when the teenagers go be fine no 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 because now they're adults and they can access their own credit cards and do all sorts of things that you're going to have to help bail them out with later and get into all sorts of men. it never change, gets easier it just changes the only way we can navigate it is by living with this blessed hope of the return of jesus christ one day Because there's a day coming when there's no more sickness, no more tears, no more pain. There's a day coming when there's going to be no more political coups. A day coming when there's going to be no more wars. There's a day coming when there's going to be no more maneuverings or terror attacks or anything else like that. There is a day coming. The only thing that will be left over is the story of the great king who's on the throne. And the people of God who in this life gave themselves not to the things of this world but to the things of the next. The true heroes of the age to come will be the people in this world right now who are anything but heroes. Ordinary men and women like you and like me. Who are going to spend an eternity before the throne of God. And praise Jesus, it's not going to be like even the best of our meetings. It's going to be infinitely better. No eye has seen, no mind has conceived, no heart can truly know. The only way you're going to get through this life is live with that perspective. The only way you're going to face the trial and the hardship and the difficulty of every day, and let's be honest, some of us have a difficult life, some of us don't. Relatively speaking, we live in relative comfort, need something, just buy it. The only way you're going to not live for the things of this world is by living with that eternal perspective. So as we hit this summer break, as we hit this summer pause, as we come to the end of our academic year, as we begin to fix our minds on holidays and all the rest of it, let's be a people grounded in, focused on, rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's the only thing that will not perish or fail, the only thing that's going to see us through, the only thing that's going to cause the joy and the hope and the peace and the contentment that our hearts so desperately desire is putting our trust completely in him. Where are you at right now? Where are you at right now? Like honestly, where are you at right now? Thanks for listening to this talk from New Community. For more information about New Community, check out newcommunitychurch.org.uk.